0: The following is a conversation with Roy Clancy. Roy was the number one producer in the United States and managed to hit 10,000 units back to back. He's not only an excellent salesman, but also an extremely humble and caring human being. Any constructive criticism is greatly appreciated. And now, dear friends, here is Roy Clancy. You're 23 years old. Yes, sir. Honestly, dude. (laughs) <suisse 100%. laughs> don't take it as an insult you look a lot older <laughs> Here, let me explain let me explain sure. uh, honestly because i met a lot of people that are 23 right because i'm like around that age i'm 21 going to my 22nd year but it's just the way you 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 carry yourself you're like very so it's almost like you're like very mature for your age i don't Thank you. You get that a lot yeah i appreciate that
1: definitely um definitely don't don't get that uh all the time but i think from um maybe perspective of someone that has been in southwestern maybe it could seem more like that definitely was not always that way though either so but i appreciate
0: it. you weren't always that way
1: no no definitely not what do you mean? well you know like um <clears throat> Um, I mean, you grow a lot through the program just because of how intense it is and, and how much you learn and how much life experience that you get compared to most people your age. I think you're kind of forced, you know, to grow in in certain ways, especially, you know, with, you know, talking to 3000 plus people every summer, you know, you kind of just get better at talking to people and presenting yourself in a, and maybe a more mature way than somebody that just doesn't
0: have that experience. Okay. Before we like get into all like the technical stuff and like what do you like to do like outside of Southwestern?
1: Nothing. I only focus on Southwestern. That's my... no, I'm kidding. Of course. Um, I like to have a good time, man. I, I love sports. I love pickup basketball. I love golf. I love spending time with my family. I come from a big family. I love hanging out with the, with the boys. Like chilling in the, in the, I like doing cold plunge and, and hot tub. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like running, but I'm running right now. I like having a good time. I like going to events. Like here in Phoenix, there's a lot to do. So, you know, we were at the waste management tour a couple of weeks ago. Um, going to Suns games or baseball games. I like doing a lot of stuff.
0: Do you? Did you grow up in Phoenix?
1: I actually didn't know. So I just moved down here to to recruit at ASU and GCU. but I grew up in Michigan, so north of Detroit, right, in like the, in the country.
0: Yeah.
1: And then when I was 11, our family moved to Kansas. So um spent about 8 years, 7-8 years in Kansas and we would kind of go back and forth from from Michigan to Kansas.
0: Mm-hmm. So would you concern yourself more like a cheese fan or or like Hell no? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, um,
1: I respect them, but I'm not a fan. Like, I'm a big, I'm a big Detroit fan. Detroit everything. So Tigers for baseball, and then Lions for football. Unfortunately, but we did have a pretty good end of the season. So I'm I'm pretty jacked for what could happen next year.
0: And then like the Red Wings, and and uh, I root for for college.
1: I go for uh, U of M. So go blue.
0: are, so, are you giving up with March Madness?
1: Yeah, I am. I watched uh, Kansas State won yesterday. They beat Michigan State, which I was happy about because I hate Michigan State um with a passion. Did
0: you so. watch the UCLA, UCLA game? No, I didn't. Who won? It was a banger. Who did they play? uh The Zags, right? I, I, I was it was Gonzaga. Like oh, it, this was. It was yesterday? Yesterday night.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't watch it because we were doing that meeting. I'm gonna Everybody check this.
0: Came point. down to like last five seconds and it literally came down to like a 3 pointer really i gotta look yeah. this up i was at the bar actually and and i was just having a drink with my buddies and then out of nowhere oh! was it was one
1: yeah that's crazy But yeah wow. um
0: cool anyways man i wanted to ask you you're you're the top seller here in the united states right despite being so successful at such an early age, what what keeps you so like humble? How do you manage to sit humble? That's a compliment. It's like uh,
1: are you humble if you say that you're humble
0: you know um, but
1: I think um what brings me back to the a lot of things bring me back to reality or back to you know being grounded um, is, you know, true humility is just saying things exactly as they are, no more, no less. So like, if somebody was like, so, um, Renato, you were the number one first year in the company last year. And you were like, yeah, I guess so. Like kind of, you know, that's like false humility. Mm -hmm. You can just say, yes, yes, I was, you know, so there's nothing wrong with saying things as they are, but, um, at least that's my understanding of humility. But when it comes to that, I mean, I'm the last of 11 kids. So I grew up, Yes. So, um, there was definitely a lot of opportunities to, you know, if one of us came in high on our horse after like a big game or a big win, or just, you know, got too prideful or whatever, you can guarantee that somebody's going to knock you down and just kind of call that out. Um, so nobody lets in my family, um, they wouldn't let me get away with, with being like a you know, coming back home from the summer and and saying like, Oh, I'm the best, you know, and all that stuff. They would, my dad would just go tell me to mow the lawn, you know, or like put me, put me doing chores and stuff. So it's hard to be um, like cocky or whatever. When I know, when I go home after the summer, my mom doesn't know what a unit is. And I could tell her I sold three units this summer and she'd be like, good job. You know, so they don't care. And my real friends don't care, you know, so I just, you know, it's great. It's awesome. But I I don't, um,
0: you know, my relationships aren't built on my results. Yeah, I completely understand that. But I mean, your mom doesn't know what a unit is, but she knows how much money you made. No, she doesn't. Oh, she doesn't? No. Really? She, she's never like asked you? Or you <clears don't throat> tell me? I just don't tell Because
1: mm-hmm. I don't think she I mean, she doesn't really care. And you know, she knows that I support myself and I'm independent.
0: Um, but
1: I, yeah, I've never, never told her.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like that speaks a lot about how like purely humble you are. Because uh, I'm not gonna lie, Roy, and I, I feel like I can. I'm doing this to ask you some for some advice, some personal advice. For some reason, during the summer, like I didn't really check my units, but towards the end, I knew I was like pretty up there. Because I right. get, like, invitations to, like, talk and whatnot. And it got to me. I, I feel like definitely, like, it-, <laughs> it boosted, like, my ego. Yeah. And it got to the point where it felt like I was better, not than, other, not than like, my, my org or anything like that, but I felt like it translated to the found. you know? Mm. And I think that kind of, like, messed up my last, like, three weeks because I feel like those were, like, the hardest ones. I didn't want to like, keep working anymore right because like if i would get rejected before i was like i was like truly grateful for the family to give me some other time but then like towards the end i was like like bro i'm literally sitting down with you like it almost became like selfish sure yeah so how do you how do you like how do you stay humble with the families like how do you like i don't want to say like bring yourself down because i don't i don't feel like a family needs to bring themselves to you but how do you like meet at their, How are you just, like, at the level with, with that person? How do you, like, stay in, like, a mutual ground?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a balance with everything, you know? Um, valuing your time versus arrogance is different. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Valuing your time is different. So... Coming into a family situation with the uh when you sit down with a family and you know how valuable your time is for the right reasons. My job is to see all the families in this area. I don't have time to spend an hour with people, you know, that aren't interested. And I know there's a ton of people in this town that are interested in me and what I'm doing, and they're out there. I just have to go find them is different than you have no idea who you just said no to. Did you know you just said no to the Renato? You know, it's like that mentality is totally different. One of them is service that you have to provide to all these other families that you just don't have time to waste. And then the other one is how dare you not give me time? Right. And it's a balance because my first summer i was I was not like you. you quadrupled my production from my first summer almost um and that was one thing that i had to to figure out or to realize and i I've made all those same mistakes too you know I've gotten way too high on my horse, way too prideful, uh thought about myself the entire sit down I mean everybody goes through that. Uh, it's just catching it and having the right people around you to catch it for you. Cause it wasn't always me saying, Oh, I'm being prideful. I'm being arrogant right now. I need to change that. Sometimes it was getting called out by one of my friends or, or my student manager
0: mm-hmm.
1: and being able to take criticism well and feedback well and realizing that um, you're not the man,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you're simply a messenger for a product. It's like, God gave you a certain amount of gifts and talents to go work hard, gave you the ability uh, to provide a lot of help to families. And there's going to be selfish reasons with every reason with everything, but I guarantee you your best weeks, you were probably less focused on yourself and more focused on others. And you still had that time efficiency because you value your time. Uh, But you probably weren't arrogant or being rude or, you know, insert, Negative quality
0: or character trait. Mm-hmm. You you said that I like, quadrupled your summer. How many summers have you done? I just finished my fourth. So how do you go from like well like one thousand units to thirteen thousand?
1: Yeah. So well, we made a little bit less money than you guys did. So I I sold nineteen hundred units my first summer, and I worked my tail off. So just for some statistics. Um, I worked on average about 83, 84 hours a week. Mm -hmm. My first summer, I averaged about 400 calls a week or 375 somewhere around there and over 200 demo average, 215 per week around there. I worked for 12 weeks. Uh, I just wasn't super intentional with those mm-hmm. demos and with the time. And then when I did an honest audit of my summer, even though it says that I contacted 4,600 people and I gave over 2,500 demos, how many of those were actually intentional where I was trying to spark interest and how many of those were just trying to get a statistic?
0: Does that make sense? No, yeah, I completely understand that because uh, at the at the first, uh, obviously the way you... Um, classify a sit down can vary depending on who you're talking to right like for example like if i get a sit down and i just do my intro that can be a sit down for me and then for someone uh for example i talked to uh, bb about this and she just told me that a sit down is when you go through, through like the entire like cycle right so like to her that's what a sit down is and then i was thinking about it and she's right because and on paper it says that i had a lot of sit downs that's why I feel like my closing percentage wasn't the greatest. But then she told me, yeah, like, honestly, that's probably not the actual number. The actual number of your sit downs is a lot less. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand what you meant by that. But um, when you say intentional, that's during your demo. What about, like, your, your sit-times? Or, like, how would you actually, since I just briefly talked <clears throat> about sit thumbs, how would you classify sit down What's a sit-time for you?
1: Um... I think it it varies based on where you're at in the staircase. Uh, for me, I think it's important to get really good at just getting them, getting sit downs, getting people that want to spend a couple minutes with you, and being persistent. Also, for you know the the Sunday meeting recognition circle, you want to get a ton of sit downs for the first years to see that people are doing really well. And they're getting a lot of sit-downs. People are sitting down with people. So if everybody only judged based on running through their whole cycle, I think it might be detrimental to the first years in the group because they wouldn't classify a sit-down as going through the whole cycle. And if they see a bunch of student managers only getting 40 or 50 and they're closing 80 or 90%, you could kind of see how they might get discouraged, right? right. It's like, oh, they're just way better at the job. So I think that's part of the reason why we count them as just getting people to spend time with you. Um, my focus is laser beamed on buying situations, though. So, like you you were talking about, um in my on my stats, I might count something as a sit-down in my brain. I only count it if I can get past like the buying atmosphere and they actually want to see it. Because mm-hmm. if I go through the intro and they're not interested, then um, I'm going to qualify them and demo them quickly and then I'll move on to the next one. So getting really good at that and getting really good at reading people, um, not being afraid of getting no's is important because the more no's you get, the closer you get to your next yes and the better you get at reading people. Mm-hmm. So in in uh, the to, to make a super short question incredibly long, I'd say it depends. Depends.
0: Okay. And how did you like jump from? I kind of going back, but uh, yeah. how did you jump? Like, what, what was the thing that let you go from like an X amount of units to where you're at now? So, there's a lot of different things. <laughs>
1: um, what we me through. A lot of different things. If you want me to kind of go chronologically, I could kind of walk through mindset stuff before every summer and actual preparation or what I did. Yeah. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. So, in between my first and my second summer, I wasn't just, uh, I actually decided to not re enroll in school. And my dad's a business owner. So, I decided to go cold call and work for him. So, he sells heavy equipment machinery. Okay. And for an entire fall, that whole fall, I was cold calling and knocking on doors trying to sell machinery that costs a lot more than our books, like a lot more. Right. And I had no warm leads. Everything was cold. Nobody knew who I was. I was this baby faced 19 year old trying to sell machines that are worth houses, you know? So, um, by the grace of God, I ended up selling two, uh, machines just from like a cold call through a relationship that my dad had, uh, previously with the owner. Um, but that was it. I sold two in a four, three or four month period. And that experience, it was super valuable for me because I realized how much easier our job was than that. Mm-hmm. Now there are certain parts of our job, and I'm talking about the cycle of the sale is way quicker. You get yeses and no's way quicker. And uh, I learned a ton. And then I worked for a startup sales company. Uh, after that, I was recruited by them that I worked for them until the summer. And I recruited you know, a couple of my buddies to go out with me my second year. And so I was learning a lot through the process and I was gaining a lot of confidence through doing stuff, learning more about psychology of sales and and how, you know, how to read, get better at reading people. Um, And I was pretty good at the, that, that startup business that was, we were, we were setting appointments, you know, a lot and other people would close it but I got really good at the like approaching basically. And it was all over the phone. So it was just a lot of dials. Like we would dial three, 400 people a day Um and talk to them and we get paid per appointment. And then if every time it's sold, we got paid. And then I was recruiting kind of on top of that. And we were working like 11, 12 hour days. We'd get in at like nine and leave at about eight or nine. So I would, I was staying busy in between my first and my second year. And I had the confidence that I could do well because I had been working all year and learning a lot. And so my goal was to sell 6,000 units, which I'm sure your goal is probably higher than that. Mm-hmm. My goal was to sell 6,000 because I totaled up all my expenses and what I wanted to spend money on for the next year. And it equaled about 40 something thousand.
0: Right.
1: And then I added about a little bit more money, more units to that, because why not think big? And I needed to average like six hundred per week, but I had never done that before. So I talked to a bunch of people that had, and I decided that I didn't want any week my second summer below my best week my first summer, which was about four hundred units. And I did that, and then my third week out, I found out a way to sell eight hundred just by getting out of houses quicker and getting big on Facebook and. Getting better at closing people once they were over the buying line and things started to click. I got better at referrals and stuff. And I wrote up about 8,000 units, delivered 5,700, so close to uh, 6,000. And then I needed to work on solidifying sales because my cancellations were my delivery percentage was 75%. And so going into my third summer, uh, I made a decision because I was only going to sell books for two years and then I was going to move on. And I made a decision to stick around. So if I was going to stick around, I wanted to do really well, and I wanted to really figure out how to do this job in the summer. And the second year, I set a goal to sell twelve thousand units for my third year. And I talked to a bunch of people that did it. Talked to Edgar, Jack, Yessi, Reyes, and countless others. I needed to increase my customers, so I found out in my canvassing chart what I needed to work on. And I hammered that. So when I would talk to people, I would ask them that applied to my actual thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my weaknesses and yeah, the same goal as the summer before was to not have a week below my best week, my second summer, which is around 900. And then that ended up happening. And, uh, yeah, I just went out and worked for 14 weeks wrote up a bunch of units and delivered pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then going into my fourth year, that belief barrier that I could sell over 10 was broken. So I think if you do something once, you can do it again. That's just kind of my mentality. Yeah. And my goal was a lot higher than what I sold this past year. So I was kind of um, a little bit like, not disappointed. That'd be a bad word. That That's like a, that's like a, because I did work my ass off. It's just, it, my expectations weren't met to what I thought, what i think i'm capable of which is okay it happens i think when it's supposed to happen it's going to happen uh so that's been kind of the progression every year you kind of learn something new about yourself and all that but as far as like the results wise that was kind of the progression so
0: um throughout those like summers or throughout that whole time did you ever read any books listen to anything oh yeah i said i i heard you talked about psychology have you read The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy? Uh, I
1: actually have never read that book. No? Someone else was talking about that, though, at
0: GRS, too. I forget who. Yeah, uh, Love it that book. It's actually a cool audiobook. It's kind of like mm. his, um him giving, like, speeches. And it was very interesting because I realized, and I feel like going to summer, like, I'm going with a different mindset. And I, I kind of, like, understand how like, what goes to people's, like, minds and whatnot. Mm. So it's pretty mm. cool. But um, yeah. package wise, like, how do you, how do you increase your package size?
1: How did I increase my package size? So I really bought into the mentality that through being through, I bought into the mentality that they can buy whatever they want to buy, but my job is to show them everything. Cause why not? Like what, why wouldn't I show them everything, you know? Right. And I, I, I have a package size that I don't break down past and that's how I sell. And that maybe doesn't work for everybody or, you know, and it definitely wouldn't have worked for me my first or second year, but, or maybe it would have, you know, who knows at least I didn't do that, but going into my third summer, it was just, these are my packages and I don't break down because it's never about the price it's always about the usage. And I bought into that mentality that it's always about if they're going to use them and if they trust you and like you. And it's true. And I just wouldn't break, you know, whereas my first and second year, I'd be like, oh yeah, no big deal. Like you can just get the science book or you can just get the MUFU. And I just would hold strong in the close with, I don't break down my package size. Past a honest? certain point. Obviously, nobody it's not like they have to buy everything,
0: but you know, like you know what I mean. Like if you don't mind me asking, what's like the lowest like package that you I'll have. sell a
1: core four uh or a kid's gold if the kid's older than six and they don't want to have any more kids, then I won't sell the my books. But that's pretty much it. I don't really break down past that. Unless it's like an uncle or aunt or uh grandma, grandpa, they just want to buy some ask me. He's like no big deal, but I'll kind of tell them that that's not normal. You know, normally i
0: to do this. Yeah, cool. Yeah, actually, I have a question for that because I kind of did that thing uh, towards the end, and I kind of felt bad about it because I would offer like uh, the core four, but I would operate with the apps. And families will sometimes ask me, well, like, is there a way we don't get the ads? And I'll tell them, yeah, sure. But everyone's getting that with the apps. But I did it in a way where I felt like it wasn't the right way. I don't know if that makes any sense. It, it was almost to the point where either you get everything or not everything. Either like either you buy like with the apps or like you, like you don't like getting. You know and I feel Yeah, like, that was that was not the right way to do it because it kind of like I could see the moral hang up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or dilemma. Be. And um, so how do you get past that? Yeah, I
1: i just buy into the fact that we're running our own business i'm not a salesperson i'm a, like i'm running my own business in the summer i choose to sell southwestern's products so i am the buck stops with me i am the one that comes up with the packages not the company you know um if if you firmly believe everyone has to get the apps and you don't ever break down it's just the inconsistency that probably gets to you if you do with some families, but you don't with others, then that's when you feel slimy. For me personally, they don't have to get the apps. I, I get a lot of website subscribers just because I explained to them the usage and stuff. And I know you did too. Explaining them the usage, letting them know it's okay. If uh, you know they don't like it after a month, they can just get rid of it or pause it is one thing. But when it comes to package size, um, if you're consistent With with that, like I don't see the value in someone just getting a social studies book. I just don't. Just that I just don't because maybe they struggled with it the year before, but teachers change every year, subjects change, some stuff it gets harder, some stuff, you know. This is a system, this isn't a book, you know what I mean? Like we sell systems. I feel like that's the biggest best service that you could provide is selling the whole thing. Because one time I heard this in a, in a advanced sales over the summer where I think it was Dominica talked about like, yeah, the Explorer learns are cool, but for 200 bucks, like that's not bad, but having an entire set of 26 books that works interactively with absent websites, that's going to help the kids for like six to eight years. That's like way cooler. I feel like it provides way more value. So I'm more convicted in selling something worth 650 bucks that's going to last for eight years Then some project books that are cool. That'll last for
0: a year or two. Right. And I'm going to sell them this summer or have you done like, so sold before?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've sold uh, about like maybe 10. Yes.
0: Yeah. Planning, planning on selling a lot of lead. lead. I was, I was talking to like Davey about it too. Um, how, how do you like, how are you planning on incorporating lead into you mm-hmm. conversation? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I, As far as I know, I think the, and there's going to be different mindsets on it. The, the awesome thing about it is it hasn't been around for long. So if you're the best one at doing it, you can kind of come up with your own, you know, little pitch. So that's kind of exciting, right? It it really is. Uh If you're the best one, then you get to come up with the next sales talk for it. But I think the best way to do it is again, with the mindset of showing them everything and letting them buy. Cause to me, I feel like a store. Like if I'm, if I'm sitting down with you and I'm like, all right, Renato, so We have three main systems, okay? We have the LEAD system, which helps with life skills, leadership, academics, making a difference. And then LEAD is essentially, most parents tell me that it takes a lot more than classroom knowledge to achieve your goals in life. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. So I guess, what are some things that you wish that you learned when you were in high school? You know, kind of get them talking about that stuff and then talking – Briefly about how it helps with finances or becoming the person you want to become or your character traits, skill building, all the important things that students don't learn. And then saying, and then we have the academic system that helps them save time and frustration with everything in the classroom. And we also have the spiritual system for Christian families, which is the Bible set, right? I think that's probably, that's what I got from Peter Petkov. I think that's the best way to pitch it is there's three main systems. It's like the trifecta that incorporates every single aspect of a kid's education Mm -hmm. like could you name another thing that they would need and then you let them pick you know it's like if if they just if they're like adamant that they just want to see the academic stuff yeah i'll show them and then i might show them lead at the end right Be like hey you know because it's only 75 bucks more per month that's not bad with everything that they're getting and they can have up to six users in the family that's like 15 bucks per person that's not bad at all per month 100%. but people like i spend that on i spend that easily on the subscriptions that i have that i don't even know about Yeah, there's actually
0: apps that help you like keep track of the subscriptions you have. yeah maybe i should get one of those <laughs> you should probably get one of those um, you don't break down packages what does your recos look like
1: it depends on this uh, circumstance. So, what would be the circumstance?
0: Um, I mean, like, for the most part, like, let's say they they tell you that let, let's let's say they give you the money objection. The money objection. Yes.
1: Well, the first thing is to understand, and you know this too. It's a fagazi. It's a fagazi. It doesn't exist. I know, dude. It does not exist. There's, There's no mind. such thing as a money objection.
0: Yeah, actually just to like elaborate on that, I remember uh people like not buying the books, right? And but they would get the app, something like that, or they get one sure. book and then the app. And I would get them like signed up into the EFP. You know how when you sign up into the EP, what I do is I do the mobile app. So you can like see you can like glimpse through their accounts. <laughs> so like I remember going through it and she gave me a money objection and then in her bank account she had like fifty thousand dollars i agree there's no such thing as why you always Uh lie no it's like
1: and sometimes in their brain uh they truly believe it you know so like with anything People will say reasons why they can't get it because they like being nice and people never say what they mean or mean what they say a lot of the time, you know, and once you're convicted in the fact that the money objection is, is fairy dust, then it gets a lot easier to get down to the real point. So what I, what you say to something like that, or what I've learned, all this stuff that I'm about to say, it is all regurgitated information that stuff that I've learned from someone else. So I can't take credit for any of this. The best way I found for myself personally to overcome it and say, like, yeah, I totally understand Renato. You know, when I was over at the, uh, the Moors, Dan was telling me that, you know, they're putting a new garage on the house and money's kind of tight right now with the economy. And his wife just, she's a teacher. So she doesn't really get paid in the summertime. So stuff's kind of tight. Is that kind of how you guys feel right now too. Yeah. So, um, one thing that he was telling me is like, he really liked the, uh, the, how it saves a ton of time and frustration. Like here's one part that I didn't show you. So you kind of show him another part. Does that kind of make sense? So I don't know the, you know, let's say money wasn't an issue. Do you feel like this is something that the kids would use? And then if he says yes, then. And and um, he's like, yeah, it's just, you know, the stuff's tight. I'll say something like, well you know, I definitely don't want you to get something and I genuinely don't, I, I don't want you to get something the kids aren't going to use, but like the Moors were saying, Dan said that, you know, they'll spend money on Xboxes. They just got the kids iPhones for Christmas and they'll spend money on stuff that they value. And when it came to something like this, he just felt like since the kids would use it and it would work for a super long time, that it'd, it'd be worth something like that. And I am super easy to deal with, super easy to work with. So Every family that's wanted this or felt like they'd get the value out of it, we find a way to pay for it. I haven't had a single family this summer that couldn't find a way to pay for it if they truly wanted it. And that's true. Because if you want something, you'll find a way to pay for it. It's like they found a way to pay for the cigarettes that they're smoking or the trampoline that they just bought or the the 72-inch flat screen TV or direct TV or the shoes that they're wearing. You know, everybody, you look around the house, you look for buying signs, you know, and you'll find them. You'll You'll see tons of stuff. So just relating it to another family, showing them another section, asking the hypothetical question of, "Well, if that wasn't an issue, is this something that you would buy?" And you can even say that. You know, I find the more direct you are,
0: the more people like you.
1: It's
0: almost like you're you're cutting away from like the bullshit. Like yeah, thing, right. Yes, and people genuinely like honest.
1: Yeah. Clear, clearing the table. Like that'd be, um, you know, it's like if you're talking to a girl or something, um, if she was really into you, but her dad didn't approve of you, it's like girls in high school.
0: Okay, okay. Does a
1: girl ever break up with her boyfriend just cause her dad doesn't approve? Usually not. If her dad was like, sorry, I don't like him. You can't date him. She probably wants to date him more now because of that. So if she were to tell you, sorry, my dad said that we can't, she's probably just not into you and she's just using that as an excuse. You know, it's the same thing with the money objection. It's like people don't always mean what they say or say what they mean. And sometimes they, they trick themselves into believing it, but the root of the issue is, is not
0: the money. So let's say they tell you that it's the, it's the fact that the kids aren't going to be, how do you, how do you deal with that?
1: The kids aren't going to use it. Yes. I leave the house. All right, I'll I'll re-explain, you know, but I genuinely I tell them from the get go, Billy, if you don't think you're gonna use this, you know, that's a buying atmosphere. You know, I'll be excited as possible. But if he blank stares me in the eyes and goes, No, I like it. I actually like that. I'm like, cool. All right, let's get on to the next one, get some referrals and Facebook post, you know. Um now a lot of the time that doesn't happen. That only happens a couple of times. Sometimes the kids will be more vague or ambiguous where they'll say something like, I don't know. Maybe
0: like sometimes. What if it's more like the kids are saying that they're going to use them, but the parents don't trust the kids? Okay. You know? <clears it's throat> saying that they don't think the kid is going to look Okay. Maybe they don't.
1: Maybe it's not always that they don't trust their kid, but maybe they think that they don't trust you because maybe you didn't give the kid a good buying atmosphere before showing them. And sometimes you do everything right, but there's still that hang up. You know, Um, so make sure that you give the kid a really good buying atmosphere and you'll see the mom kind of change her face when you do like, look, Renato, I'll show you how it works, but I tell you what, right now, your mom works way too hard for her money to buy stuff that you're not going to use. So just give me your honest opinion. She probably, I mean, she wouldn't care to buy something if you're going to use it. And obviously they're not magical books, you know, they're not going to do your homework for you. They're not reading or textbooks that you're going to use every single night, but it's just when you get home late from practice and then you've got a history test, you've got math problems to get done and a biology terms quiz due the next day. It's something that'll save you a ton of time instead of scrolling through a thousand links on the internet, trying to find what you're looking for. So it's just a huge time saver. And this is something that if you feel like you'll use it, I'm sure your mom wouldn't mind buying it, but just be honest with me because I would hate, she would probably hate to collect more dust or get more dust collectors. And then you'll see the mom, like, I like this guy, you know? Right. So make sure you're doing that first of all. But if, um, if she's like, I don't know if he'll use it, then, um, maybe you haven't done the best job of explaining it. So I'm always thinking of like, what, what can I do better? I, instead of blaming the mom, like, oh, you know, you, we've all had those days where it's like, man, today I just got a million objections. From everybody, you know, and we blame everybody else, but it's probably us. Like we had some misstep in the cycle. So I'm always thinking like, what, how can I do better to a relieve pressure? That's number one, relieve any pressure or tension in the room and B, give a really, you know, that's part of relieving pressure. Just giving a really good buying atmosphere, being convicted, telling good stories. And if I'm doing that stuff, right, usually I'm doing really well. But if I'm putting a lot of pressure on parents and families, then I'm, I'm probably not. And you probably feel the same way too, right?
0: No, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think going into my second summer, that's some, definitely something that I'm like kind of do throughout the summer. Because during my best weeks, it was when I generally had fun with the families, and there was no such thing as, as pressure. Right. And then I think my like my worst weeks, not in terms of results, but in terms of like, like morally how it felt it was definitely more because i felt like i felt like I was, maybe i was bringing a little bit of pressure you... yeah roy what's your like your favorite part of the sales talk
1: oh my favorite part of the sales talk is uh the introduction there's when it clicks you know When they're with you and they're telling you they're giving you your intro for you, and you just sit back and listen, that feels so good. When like names are clicking, you're with them, you're in flow, and you know, they're telling stories about their friends' experience with you and talking about like when they just give you all the reasons that they want to buy and why they want to sit down with you and all that in the introduction and it feels like you don't even have to demo and sometimes you don't even have to demo and you just close them. That's, that's awesome. You Super. That? Yeah. Really? Well, I mean, you might like explain the idea and stuff, but if uh, the, like Jack Wheeler talks about a story of, you know, people buying just because there's stories plural of people buying just because everyone else is getting it and they trusted their friend and I, yeah. And if you haven't had that experience, it's it's a fun thing to try. You know, I remember Dan Moore speaking at our Sunday meeting, my third summer in, uh, I think it was in Maryland or Pennsylvania or something. And he said, you know, it was kind of, I think it was week five, week six, or going into week six. And he was talking about trying new things, you know, like have the kid, while you're doing the demo, give the kid the book and have him try to find it or give him your iPad. I find that works in a lot of situations too, the mom actually seeing him using it. And then one thing, one little uh game he had is like try to close somebody without showing them anything, just selling an idea, getting better at selling the idea and the feelings. And I would I would suggest to do the same thing too. Try that this summer. Like try to try to sell a gold package without showing them anything.
0: Like that's super fun. A little conversation with friends. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. You uh, briefly, e. like, mentioned flow. Um, I feel like I, I had a glimpse of it throughout the summer, those moments where everything's just clicking, you're having fun with the yeah. families. There was times where I would, like, knock on doors without, like, any, any uh, self-talk because I was just, like, so in the moment. I was just, like, going into the next one, next one, next one. Next one. I was just, like, in. And there was times where I would, like, start the game before I know it. There was always, it was already, like, seven, You know? Right? So... What tips could you give to someone who who hasn't really like achieved that level of flow and, and how can someone stay consistent in yeah
1: there's four levels of um competence right, and Dan Moore talks about this at sales score at least he used to in the past, and hopefully they still talk about this this next year, so there's Unconscious incompetence, meaning you don't know what you don't know. It's like when you first start driving a car or stick shift, you don't know how to drive the car because you've never driven one. So you're incompetent, but you're un—or if you—if you don't even know what a car is, then you you're unconscious of being incompetent. And then once you learn about stick shift cars and you want to learn how to drive one, then you're consciously incompetent. And that's probably the most annoying part of the whole thing. Is when you consciously know that you're not good at something and you're working to get better Mm -hmm. and that's the summer that was my first couple weeks my first summer i was consciously incompetent before my first summer i was unconsciously incompetent i didn't know what i didn't know and then that's probably the most painful part of the process is being consciously incompetent and then you become consciously competent where it's like you have to think about what you're going to say next in the sales talk and you're consciously being competent, like you're consciously good at the job. And then flow state is when you're unconsciously competent. Do you know what I mean? And you had those feelings of like when you're a good example of that is is football or basketball. When you catch and shoot, you're not thinking about shooting; you're just doing, right? Or you throw that touchdown pass that you practiced a million times. You didn't have to think about it. You just, you know, you. One apple, two apple, three apple. He's there, boom! And then you throw it to him, and it's on the money, touchdown. It's like in a in a in the summertime. It's when you're at the door, and you don't have to think about the words that you're saying. You're just doing. You're just. It's like flow state to me is the mind has no place in flow state. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like thoughts have no place in flow state.
0: Like you, you completely lose track of like time yourself yeah i know what you mean Um,
1: you um it's like and and how to how to get into flow state is number one work and and practice a ton and give it time and also you know do the things that that you know you should be doing when you know you should be doing them like cold showers (laughs) reading your sales talk at night like you talked about at our meeting last night or um, doing the habits checklist is like those little things that make such a huge difference over the summer. Self talking, putting little stickers in your car of quotes, like just reading quotes or your mantra over the the summer, so that your brain doesn't have time to think and you're just doing. You're just going to the next house. And I'm sure you've had moments like you were talking about where the sales talk just flows. Everything is perfectly lining up with each other. You know, you're answering objections without having to think of a good story to tell it just flows right off the tip of your tongue and everything just is kind of regardless of if they buy or not you feel really good because you're unconsciously competent and that's why sometimes it can be hard to explain unconscious competence before somebody's actually gotten there you know I never really understood what is flow until you're in it and it's kind of hard to explain but that's probably the best explanation I've ever heard from yeah. somebody is when Dan talked about the
0: Four yeah. levels of competence. It's almost like it's it's weird to explain, especially because I'm pretty sure you went through those. Have you ever watched like Dragon Ball? Which one? Dragon Ball.
1: Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Um, uh, my brother was super into that, but I never got into it.
0: So there's this thing they call like Ultra Instinct, which mm. is basically kind of like being in a state of flow. But um, I'm like it's just it's, uh-huh. there's times where you already know the objection they're gonna give you. And you can just tell by like their like their yeah. their, their body language, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. very weird. Um, yeah. But uh, I think your goal is 20,000 units this summer, right? Yes. Yeah, so I saw it on your phone. Um, what is one of, or like how are you preparing to 20,000 units right now? Uh,
1: recruiting, doing a lot of prep with sales, and focusing on just a couple things. I'm not a, uh, I'm a firm believer of not making things complicated. It's an easy job. If you've done it once, you can do it again. I know the metrics I have to hit to be able to hit it. And regardless of if I hit it or not, you know, it's not in my control completely. So I can't, I can control my attitude. I can control my my effort and obviously my prep and all that stuff doing cycles memorizing my sales talk looking through past stories from from the past summer coming up with photo albums and mentally prepping myself you know they're doing things that i don't like to do because that's what the summer is a culmination of small things that you don't like to do usually that's what it's like when you wake up shane blick my student manager talks about um or he's my sales manager now, but, um, talks about, I just totally lost my train of thought. It'll come back. But anyway, so yeah, just doing those little things that, that are going to, um, compound over time and small things that give you confidence and confidence, anchors, visualization, and just leaving it, you know, for me, I'm, you know, I believe in God. So just leaving it in God's hands and just doing my best.
0: happens and i wanted to ask you roy besides like technical um proficiency i would say what is like the thing that separates like you peter petro to like someone like like me who's like in the like four thousand five thousand
1: well you just finished your first summer so experience right and things take time to marinate and you had a way better first summer than I did, you know? So everything is, everything happens perfectly when it's supposed to happen. I can't speak for Peter. You know, he's an awesome guy. We're good friends. I can only speak for myself. And I think for me, I, I genuinely have gotten to a point where I enjoy doing the job, you know? Um, But yeah, I genuinely enjoy the job. I enjoy the interactions with families and like, I have a lot of fun, like a ton of fun out there. For me, that's important. You know, when I'm having fun with people and I feel welcomed and I'm like goofy in myself, then I find that most people are pretty receptive. I have a lot more fun. They have more fun with me. They like spending time with me and I do well.
0: And then I want to do it.
1: And then I'm like, I get that dopamine rush of like having fun with people and, 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 uh you know, making fun of myself or doing like the trip approach or the third person approach. I I think the job is people take themselves way too seriously over the summer. And I think that's like everyone's Achilles heel. I know it was for me. And until I learned how to not take myself too seriously on the field, for the most part, uh, taking my goals seriously, taking the job seriously, being a professional, but not taking myself seriously and finding that thin line was, uh, is probably the biggest
0: differentiator. Yeah. And, like what advice would you give to someone who doesn't really enjoy working work? like here? Cause I'm going to be honest with you. Like I said, like I had a like like said towards the end, I just, honestly, I would wake up and I'd just get it, you know, early. Yeah.
1: What a great opportunity. What a great opportunity to, to, to do something that you don't enjoy doing to learn how to enjoy it. You know, it's, Everyone's getting better at this I'm getting better at this I've by no means at all mastered this but I think if two people can do the same thing one of them enjoys it, one of them doesn't then it's not the thing that that's the issue it's the person and I've definitely had times this past summer where I didn't want to be there you know I'd rather be doing anything else than what I'm doing currently sometimes. And what a crazy idea that you're, you're doing this right now, but you'd rather be somewhere else. Like that's insane because you're not doing that other thing. You're doing this and you're choosing to do it. So how crazy is it that you'd want to be doing something else? Cause you're physically not doing something else. So that's just torture, you know? And, but it's a great opportunity because there's going to be so many things in life that you don't want to do, but you're going to have to do them like your, your duty as a person, or like, if you want to have kids one day, I'm sure the thousand diaper that you change, you know, you probably don't want to do it, but you've got to do it. Or if you want to build a business one day, there's going to be a million things you're not going to want to do, especially when you're first starting out that in order to accomplish that goal, you got to achieve. Uh, you're gonna have to do them. And like uh, one of my favorite book field mantras is, or one of my favorite like quotes is the person that uh, learns how to have fun, not selling books, checkmate on the summer and checkmate on life. If you can learn to have fun, not doing well at something, You're invincible. Like, think about that. You can learn how to have fun not doing well at something, then no one can get in your way
0: or in your path. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. You briefly said the word duty. Uh right. What what do you think is your purpose in this life?
1: I think my highest calling is, and I I'd say the same for everybody, is the in the service of others. And becoming the best version of herself and best and reaching our full potential. It's like, um, you know, the Bible talks about the parable of talents that, you know, one man buried his talent. The other one, you know, other people multiply their talents. Everyone's given different talents in different areas of their life. And their job is to reach their full capacity and full potential. One of my favorite ideas is uh, through David Goggins talks about this and can't hurt me. Uh, one of his books. And he said um, he thinks that when he dies, he's going to meet his maker and he will show him his potential self. So he, he who he could have been versus who he became. And he wants when that moment happens for obviously this is impossible because God's all knowing and omnipotent, but he wants it to be God's even shocked by who he became. You know, whoa, I didn't see that. I didn't didn't know this was gonna happen. You know, I think that's a really cool thought. And it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it, that um like reaching your full capacity and your full potential for others, you know, because like for example, man, if 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 um Ricky wasn't who he was when he needed to be who he was for you, you wouldn't have gotten this experience if he wasn't courageous enough to do a summer or to reach out to you, right? Ricky's your student manager? Yes. Or like if Shane Blick wasn't Shane Blick and, you know, wasn't courageous courageous enough to lead me and to have tough conversations with me, then I wouldn't be where I am. You know, he provided a service or, you know, so many things in life, you know, just because of one person's courage, it totally changed the trajectory of everybody else. I just think that's so cool to think about. Scary
0: too. Definitely scary. Isn't it? I know elise's org is called Butterfly Effect. Yeah. Are you part of that org? Yeah.
1: So I'm like, a, I'm I'm a little uh, mercenary. Like, I'm kind of, I'm a free agent-ish. Like, I'm in Shane's base, and I kind of work with Total Domination, and then I, you know, I'm kind of with Butterfly Effect, which is kind of fun. I'm just kind of, uh,
0: you know. You're literally just describing, describing the Butterfly Effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Uh, I know I... I asked you about the books and I think I cut you off uh what are like some books uh like help you helped you like get better at the job
1: yeah I'm gonna be honest man I I don't read uh no I don't read at all no I do read books but over the summer I like to keep perspective anything that gives me perspective is what helps um if I get too Zoomed in on technical stuff, I my mind explodes, and then I have too many things to focus on. So if I'm going to read technical stuff, it's before the summer and after the summer. It has no place for me in the summer. For me personally, for other people, it works. Uh, some of those books are. One of them is called "The Untethered Soul," written by Michael Singer, one of the founders of WebMD, uh, spiritual guru guy, billionaire who, uh, it's basically the art of living, you know, it's, it's like how to, how to live. And he has a oh, yeah. lecture series called the untethered soul lecture series collection. I think there's 11 volumes total. What you got? Oh, look at that. There's even a, there's a book called the art of living. Who's that by?
0: It's, to, it's like stoic. stoic. Is it kind of
1: like- oh, stoicism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great stuff. Yeah, I, I love Stoicism and like Meditations by Marcus Aurelius.
0: I love that book. I actually have a book too.
1: Yeah, I mean, just looking at it here, um, I'll read Ego is the Enemy over the summer. I read uh, Matthew McConaughey's book.
0: Green Lights? yeah green lights you, really you have to listen to the audiobook it's him yeah. talking about it's how you how you would listen to it yeah 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 i love it i love it i
1: love it it's so good it really is. um living from a place of surrender the untethered soul never split the difference was one that i listened to my second summer it's by a former fbi negotiator yeah
0: it's by uh first it's yeah like yeah
1: that. yeah there you go dude <laughs> there's a reason you were the top first year man it's because you're filling your brain with all this stuff that's why you're gonna I'm, I'm,
0: I'm constantly looking for ways to improve um we're kind of like at the time limit right now so yeah. do you have any like questions for me
1: yeah i guess my biggest one is what are you focusing on this uh, next summer? going into your b contract year you're kind of the big dog right now for you know first years and there's probably pressure that comes with that and, and ego and all that stuff so what are you doing to to help ground yourself kind of like what you asked me at the beginning but what are you uh focusing on
0: um, yeah, kind of like I said. To be honest, towards the end of the summer, I became a complete dickhead. I really did. I was like not the greatest with the families, and also with like my my friends. They mm-hmm. and like you said, like you said, it's really good to have friends that call you out on it, and they did. Yeah. So I, I I definitely had to go through a little learning curve, and I feel like I've come past that. But something to ground myself is just and something that I. I am focusing on is just to have a good time this summer. You know, I I obviously have a high goals units wise, selling wise, but um the only focus is if I can go and have a good time this whole summer. It doesn't matter how many units I sell. Like like I'll be happy with that. I love that. Yeah. Um. But anyways, thank you so much, Roy, for for coming into.
1: For sure, dude. Thanks for hosting these. This is awesome. These yeah. are uh,
0: these are great. You're really good at this. Think so. Yeah, appreciate the compliment. Thanks for listening to this conversation with Roy. Any feedback would be greatly appreciated. Hope someone out there learned something from this. That is always the goal. Thanks for listening and hope to see you next time.